So it's Nat and Kiki. We are back. It's a little bit delayed. I know the Spanish Grand Prix was today. That episode will come a little bit later today. But I was actually in Monaco for the Monaco Grand Prix up until Thursday. So that's why we didn't get to record until now. So I was adventuring around Europe for a little bit. Sorry. So jealous. So jealous. You got to have a nice European getaway. It was a dream. Like, it, I look back at pictures and videos, and I still don't think that I was actually there. Like, I think the videos are from Facebook, and I told my mom this. I was like, I think my videos are from Facebook, and the pictures are edited, and I wasn't actually there. Yeah, nope. It, it's all it's all in your head. It's all live. But yeah, definitely next year, I think that's going to be one of my goals. I want to go to an overseas race. I'm going. So I've already signed up for pre-sale tickets, and my mom's looking at hotels and everything because she wants to go to Monaco. She doesn't care about the race, but. That's fine. We can go. It'll be a good time. I'm going. But, but let's talk about the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, start off with qualifying. Rip. I didn't get to watch very much of it because mm-hmm. we had just gotten there on Saturday. And we got to our Airbnb. We changed. And then we just went out. And we didn't have tickets for qualifying. So we were trying to find a spot where we could kind of see but we we couldn't really see much. I have like a little video where I saw not much of a car. And I missed a little bit of it just because, you know, life happens. But I did read up on it afterwards. And I know one of the main focuses was your boy, Charles Leclerc. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dying already. Yeah. Um, you know, you know with his Monaco curse, unfortunately, that seems to have played through this race. It's so. not as bad as it was. It could have been or has been in the past. He finished no. the race. He finished the race. That's all I care about. No, and I was I was super excited with the the whole starting grid too. I mean, even with where he was, like he had a shot. So I think the curse is starting to you know maybe maybe next year if things go the way they will, maybe we'll see Leclerc on the podium or just Ferrari in general, but. I want him to be on podium for Monaco because that's his home race and he's had so many issues with it. And it's a, it's a difficult track. Like there's not really is for overtaking. I mean, there's a lot of winding turns. There's the hairpin. There's yep. Turn six, you know, that's everybody dreads turn six, except for the audience. Um, Definitely a thriller, but yeah, that it is not an easy track. It's one of the more, you know, intermediate to harder tracks there are in any of the Grand Prix, So yeah, Monaco definitely tests the drivers and qualifying is really what makes the race moving forward from there. Cause there, like you said, there's no room to overtake. There's nothing you can do once you're in a place, unless somebody pits in a unstrategic way, you're kind of SOL, but, or, you know, if wings come off of your, your car at Carlos, but we'll talk about that later all right so monaco grand prix seven la- 78 laps not seven my goodness i'd be so short that'd be a really short race if it was seven laps i would have been very upset of the amount of money i spent to go there <laughs> wow yay okay oh it's done so, monaco 78 laps you've got turn six you got you know that hairpin it's dangerous um it, really monaco the monaco grand prix is all about maintaining your position um, and that's what we saw a lot in that race, especially with the weather issues that we'll get to later. And you got to experience firsthand. 
Um, hope you brought a raincoat, but I did not. It you was really, really hot when we showed up. Like it was so hot. So I wore just like a tank top, like a crop top and shorts and my Ferrari jacket. And it was so hot that I couldn't wear the jacket. And I put sunscreen on four times. And we went to lunch after the race. And my best friend Morgan, who came with me, she was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on with your back? And I was like, what do you mean what's going on with my back? It was lack of better terms Ferrari red <laughs> it was getting into the spirit you know it's perfectly fine but then it started raining and it got colder or not colder but like cooler and we thought it was going to be cooler because our seats were in the pea grandstand right over the water and I was thinking oh yes the breeze yeah ocean breeze makes sense I mean you used to live in California you know how that is out here like it gets cold out here on the coast we didn't think about all the big yachts blocking the air I do. You know, I am a little jealous of those yachts, though. That's like the perfect place to watch from. You honestly, though, you can't see anything from it. Ah. Because Morgan, Morgan and I kind of finessed onto one of them and like on Saturday night. And um, I shouldn't say finesse. Somebody just waved us on and I was like, OK, I'll go. Um, but you I wonder how much it costs to put your yacht there for the race. Just if anybody knows, please let us know in the comments because I'm really curious. Not that I have a yacht of my own, but in theory, and if you I could did get from California to Monaco, if I could get a yacht from California to Monaco, um, yeah, let me know how much it costs to park my boat there. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so back to the race. So starting in P10, Lando, because that I honestly was super excited about that because one starting off in a position that could put him in the points and two yep. in some of the practices he was actually in first for a little bit and I was like oh Lando Lando showed us his stuff like he was doing pretty good um if it weren't for the crash I think he would have done a lot better um sorry uh if anybody's listening and you hear dogs we are puppy sitting so my dogs are a little upset right now um anyways one thing that I did find a little shocking was P20 with Perez. I did not see that coming. I definitely missed that. And when I woke up on Sunday morning and I saw the grid, I my jaw just dropped. I couldn't believe I it. In Q1. Yep. Which is heartbreaking for him. I, we were rooting for him. Like, I really thought he was going to start off in a better position on the grid. But, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, and he wasn't in P20 for very long because Hulkenberg, you know, pitted too early. But I think lap one, actually, Hulkenberg pitted, which I I don't remember what happened. I just remember being very shocked because you don't see that too often unless it's a tire strategy. Um, but anyways, our first four, let's see, we had Max, of course. Uh, again, race about maintaining. So Max starting out P1. Well, What's the surprise there? Uh, Alonzo P2, Ocon, I think P3, and Carlos, he, he our boy, P4. Everybody with that. I was like, oh my God, go Esteban. Go Esty Bestie. I'm so proud of you. Right? Like, that was a great race for him. But we'll talk more about that later because I am so proud of him. And he was so happy. I don't know. Like, the whole race, like, you could just tell. Like, he was there. He was in it. He knew what he was doing. He's exactly. Like, I, I mean, they all want it. But he was, like, you could tell in his driving. 
And then Charles in P6. But it's fine. So again, about Monaco, what we brought up, you know, it's a dangerous, there's a lot of maintaining, but one of the things that really came into place with this race was tire strategy. And that was a big discussion before the race even started. Um, you know, two of the main strategies that you were looking at was starting off on hard and switching to soft about, you know, 20 to 30 laps in, um, or starting off medium and switching to soft about 27 laps in. Uh, however, uh, I don't know if you noticed this cause you're sitting in the stands, but Perez immediately pitted and switched onto hard tires. I did see that. Cause we, so we were sitting right here. And if you're not watching the YouTube video, you're going to be very confused. We were sitting right on the Harbor basically. And directly across, we could see where the pits were. And we had a huge jumbo screen right in front of us. And I saw that he went into the pits and I was like, already, which again, at P20, like, what do you have to lose? Uh, I mean, chances are you'll, you'll, you're not gonna, you're not gonna gain or lose anything. But I thought that was an interesting choice, um, especially with, you know, what happened in the race later. But, and also, I think right off the bat too, Hulkenberg got a penalty because he left pit early which the note that i have was that he got a penalty for locking up yep. overtaking lance or um oh my god who did he overtake not lance um i'm trying to remember that was oh wow two races ago it was really hard to recall yeah uh well he took he overtook somebody before Lance got caught in the middle. I think it was Lance. Because that's I when I think it might have been. I think you're right. Because that's when Lance started having issues with his front wing and did not finish. At the hairpin. Which was also heartbreaking. Um man, that was that race was really good. I'm just sorry, like for those, you know, those of you listening in, I I just like watching the Monaco race, number one, looking for Natalie in the stands the whole time. But number two, like that race was just very exciting from start to finish. Like I really I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like a lot of people little... kind of dog on street circuits, which I can understand. But this one is just not only is it like a historical track, but it's also like an iconic track. And there's so many things that could, this honestly was a tame one because they're like, it's known for crashes and all these accidents. And yeah, we had a few, but not as many as before. Like there was a clip. Well, we had a few, we had a lot of overshoots and sliding into the, the, you know, the straightaway after the hairpins, but that was about it. Thankfully. Well, there was a video, like a clip from Max during one of the practices, I'm pretty sure were, or from like, I think it was last year or the year before where somebody had a yellow flag and they slid out and it was Perez and then Carlos slid out also so they were like safety car safety car and he was like ah yes it wouldn't be Monaco without this yep which I don't think the safety car no it got pulled out once I believe no it didn't I'm trying to remember no once I think it was put out once that race um anyways loving up on me right now he is trying to eat my phone charger at the same time um anyway so this race like right off the bat like within the first 15 laps you know there's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil going on the all the I noticed one thing too like every single driver on the radio tire graining was such a huge issue with this track and I'm might have been because as you mentioned like it was so hot there 
I mean, you can just imagine how it was when you're on a regular street like that. It's not like on, you know, NASCAR where you have the track to itself to prevent that sort of thing. Like dealing with that in Monaco on a street race, like you're going to have some severe tire Vegas this year being the first Grand Prix in a while, they're actually repaving some of the streets to be more compatible with Formula One tires. Which See, and that's good. I, mean, I don't know enough about Monaco to know if they do that, but I would imagine because, again, it is an iconic track. And it I is don't a think place... they do because it's, I mean, I'm not saying Vegas is not busy, but I think that because it is such a winding track and it's so narrow that it would, it, it's almost pointless. Yeah. By the time they did it, it would be void anyways. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, <clears throat> so lap 11 i think that was when carlos got his broken front right wing and one thing that was i don't know if you could see that from where you were at but when i was watching it on tv um so everybody thought immediately right front wing broken everybody saw it happen we he didn't pit he just kept going they didn't have him come in and we were there waiting for the FIA to make a call to see whether or not they were going to force him to come in and get it swapped out or not. The pit crew was already prepared to go, and they just decided he was good to keep going on the race. FIA didn't call it, which is surprising because, you know, it's not just a the driver could lose time because they're less aerodynamic. Um, they lose that front downforce on the car, but it's a it's also a hazard. I mean, you could have pieces of your car coming off. You know, the car could do something you're not used to, but – I'd be interested to see who at the FIA made that decision to let him keep going. I mean, I was happy because again, it's Carlos. That's, you know, that's our boy. But at the same time, like that whole, you know, going into lap 12, even 13, you're just holding your breath watching, just seeing what they're going to do. Like, are they going to pull him in or change it or not? And they decide not to. We saw it on the big screen right in front of us because it wasn't really near us to where we could see because we had such a limited view. And I was like, I like, audibly gasped and I looked at Morgan and I was like what well with him starting P4 I really thought like I was really hoping he would get podium and so like when that happened when they came on the radio and he they were like you're right your front right wing is gone it's gone he's talking to them and he's like it's, it's busted and yeah my my chest just it just clenched up I was like nope this is it like both of them they're pulling out Ferrari's done this is it for the race but no he kept going and it's amazing that he didn't lose more lap time than he did so that that was it that was really cool to watch Um, but let's see what else was a a big one um Sargent again I think I was gonna say a big talking point was the fact that not only did Max Verstappen lap people, but he lapped people from P9 and below. And then I think it was like 15 to 16 or uh, 14 to 16, he lapped them twice. And then from 16 and below, it was three times. I was like in shock. The gap he had was astounding. It was like, phenomenal. I want it- to see, like, I want to see if he, like, I'm sure he could perform in anybody else's car. But, like, that car, I don't know what it is. It is a rocket ship. You he know, we, my husband and I were actually having a discussion today uh, because, you know, after today's race, I was on my da-da-da-da Max Verstappen kick. And 
we were talking and I said, yeah, like, it's just, you know, at this point, like I would be very surprised if anything, save a complete fire burning wreck caused Max to get out of the race or to pull back out of P1. And he asked me, cause he watches NASCAR and he's like, do you think if you put him in a NASCAR track that he'd do good? And I said, well, there's one thing to say, you know, yeah, it's the cars. Yeah. Red Bulls got these rocket ships on wheels. But the other thing is too, Max is such an aggressive driver that I, I really think like you put him on a, a oval track. I think where all you do is overtake. You don't have to worry about turns. You don't have to worry about wheel strategy or tire strategy. Like you could just go. I think he would do pretty good. I think just as a whole, like he is a good driver. I think that he would do totally fine in NASCAR, but also you have to compare like they're two totally different types of racing. Yep. Totally like two completely different cars, different strategies and everything. So I feel like, I feel like he would do fine, but that's, that's an interesting comparison. Right. Like, we're was, in, we're, in, we're deep into Google trying to see if anybody's ever experimented with this before. Um, yeah, it was a, I began to see. Drivers have gone to IndyCar, like. Which is, because it's very similar know. to F1. Like, it's it's a very similar type of vehicle, but. Like, style-wise. Like, Grosjean, he went from Formula One to IndyCar. That's but true. I just, I, that amazed me. I was looking on, like, because on the TV, they had what you saw on TV where it's, people driving and then you see like each position and it said plus one lap plus one lap and I was like okay two laps and I was like oh my god three laps are you insane three that is nuts I just again it's it's the same thing and then like you look at drivers like Sargent and he's continually going in back and is it the car or is it the car and the driver combo which in his case I really think it is there's that uh rumors that Total Wolf is pushing for Mick Schumacher to replace Logan Sargent if he doesn't start performing. And that sucks. I, that's I mean, I understand it, but it also sucks to hear because it's his rookie year. It's his first year doing it. And I mean, how many races in a row though has he been 18 or below? Almost all of them. Exactly. Except and to for the maybe point where he was 16. Exactly. Which that's, I mean, you're getting no points. You're getting nowhere. Like, I mean, I get you're a rookie and it happens and you're trying to figure it out and maybe he just needs a little more under his belt. But at this point in the season, I'm, well, look I at just, what Max was doing in his rookie year. Look at Charles. He got signed almost immediately to Ferrari. He was one of the youngest to get signed to Ferrari. Like yep. it's not, I mean, I get it, but it's also not really an excuse because so many other people during their rookie year have performed so well. And like, no, and again, no, no, exactly. Because again, it takes a lot to be an F1 driver. It takes a lot to get there. And if you're the worst of the best drivers, you're still one of the best drivers in the world. However, this is a cutthroat industry. We want to see the best of the best. It's a gladiator battle. It's, it's man and machine. And if the driver can't keep up with the machine, you know, but anyways, that was a little, and I know he was having graining issues. Um, and on lap 18, him and Prez both were complaining. Uh, and I know he did switch out. I think he switched to medium tires around lap 18. So, you know, again, Sargent is that that team had a strategy. They knew what they were doing, but unfortunately he's just not pulling his weight. 
Is it, but... do you think it's more so like him not, because you mentioned, is it the car or is it the car and the driver? But you also have to look, Williams just hasn't been performing for a while. It's not even. No, I do. In in their case, I do think there's a lot to say about the car um, because, I mean, you have teams, you know, like even Aston Martin is, you know, hit or miss sometimes, but they've got a decent driver and a decent driver, like a very good driver. They have Alonzo with a um, middle range car is still getting points. And Williams, yeah, I, I think their cars need to be looked at. And I don't know for the I need to look like Ferrari. Their car has not been the greatest for a while, but they're still managing to get into the points. Oh, how many times does Leclerc complain about the car? How awful is the car? We know that car is terrible. We know it has issues. People ask Lando in interviews, what's wrong with the car? What are you changing? And he's like, everything. And then he ends up p10 which yeah it's one point but it's still like he's they're pushing and they're making an effort to try and get there but even hamilton complains about his car not handling how it should and he's still you know he's still performing amazingly it's just again it's the the driver and the car you can't you know for like leclerc he's a good driver in a bad car but he's still doing his job and then you have max who's a good driver in a good car who we see what that gets you and then we have you know Williams, who unfortunately is just where are we at here? Because Aston Martin's cars aren't the best either, but the drivers are still doing good. Well, I don't know, they're middle of the range, but still, it's Fernando yeah, Logan Sargent. Yes, but Logan Sargent really needs to start pulling something. He needs to start evaluating what, like, I mean, obviously they're just rumors, but they're rumors for a reason. So yes. Like, you got to think about that. Also, speaking of rumors, um, and Lewis Hamilton, apparently there's rumors that he might possibly be getting signed to Ferrari for next season. And I'm wondering who they're going to, if that's true, if that happens, who's switching? I don't like either of this. I mean, I, I love the idea of having Hamilton, but... I I think I might know who they'd be switching, and I don't think you like that answer. I who do you think? Who do you think? <laughs> who are you <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know. We'll have to see what the rest of the season goes like because I don't want to say. So I think Carlos is killing it this season. And I think Charles, I don't want to say that he's struggling. He's just having a lot of issues with the car. It's the car. Change but your car. <laughs> change your car. I have it. I have it printed out. Um, the amount of times that goes through my head every day is ridiculous. But I honestly think that with Charles, his legacy and the history and the meaning of being in Ferrari to him and I mean, there's pictures from Monaco Grand Prix of Fred with him and his family. So I think it's, I, I honestly think they'd, they'd boot Carlos. Yeah, I would hate, I feel like if they booted Charles, it would, it would cause a lot of uproar because he kind of is the face right now of Ferrari. I think he said, like, even in interviews with all the issues and people are like, there's rumors of him going to Mercedes and there's rumors of this and this. And he's like, no, like I'm staying with Ferrari. Like this is the team I wanted. 
yep. I honestly think that they would keep him. I think I that's a fair assessment, but we'll see what happens. Lewis, I love you, but stay at Mercedes. Right? You're doing fine there. Stay. Right? Mercedes colors look great on him. He could just leave our boys alone. Really? But so speaking of Sargent, it only took him until I think it was lap 26 to pit and end up back in P20. Which, again, 26 out of 78. That's unfortunate. We saw that the week before. Well, two weeks before since our other one was canceled. But we saw that two weeks before P20 didn't get out of it. And he got P18, went straight back down. At that point, I feel like it's more of just like a car issue. I, re- I really think I it's like- both. I think he's, he's, a, he's a young driver in a bad car. I think I agree because obviously again rookie year he's still learning because formula two is different than formula one yeah they're similar but coming from a different level of racing into formula one you're 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 racing against I mean Lewis Hamilton he's been doing this for a long time Fernando Alonso long time these people have been doing this they've been racing formula one cars for 20 plus years yep you're brand new like yeah there's going to be a lot there's going to be a learning curve but at some point p20 p18 p19 consistently isn't showing anything no it's really not i don't want it to seem like we're totally dogging on it but i just think that he needs to prove himself more i mean now two episodes in a row we've talked about him underperforming so but anyways, so moving on, uh, I think after lap 32 is when things started to get a little spicy for a little while there, because that was when Ocon pits and while he was in P3 and gets knocked down to P7, which that I, I was, I was really rooting for him. And at that point, like, again, that was one of those moments in the race that I was sitting there, you know, had my cup of coffee, leaning in, pulling my hair out. Like, what are you guys doing? Because I didn't, you know, again, overtaking in Monaco, not an easy feat. You gotta, you gotta get those places when people are pit. Like that's the only thing you can do. Um, well, like Charles, he kept bouncing between. Oh, sorry, my cat just walked by. Um, Poseidon. It. Charles, he bounced between P three, P six, P four, and like the whole time, I'm like screaming at the cars as they're driving by. I'm like. I'm pretty sure that Ferrari, I mean, the whole day is like a blur to me. It it felt like a dream. So I don't remember a lot of like the details. I'm pretty sure Ferrari did a double pit. They, I think they did at one point. I don't remember. I remember screaming like, what are you doing? Because I think that was lap around lap 34, because I literally had a note that said what happened to Carlos? Because I looked up, I think I went to the bathroom and I came back and I was like, where did he's, he's now in. I don't even know where he is. I couldn't find him. When I first looked, I'm like, where, where'd he go on the grid? Like, he's, bro, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, I, cause that obviously pit lanes, they're not in my direct view, but we had that big screen. And I just remember a lot of people looked at me, but I was like screaming. I'm like, what are you doing? The other thing though, when Carlos pit, they didn't change his wing. They left that wing go. They didn't change the front end. They had it ready to go. They decide not to, not to waste the time, which 
cool, great. I was really rooting for him. I really wanted to see him on podium even with that, but him just finishing at all, I was excited for because I really thought it was going to take him out. I mean, um, like, just, just, you had it ready. Just switch it out. So speaking of you being there and not, you know, having and being in the moment, I distinctly remember lap 52, a certain driver getting on the radio and saying, does anybody else see this rain? And then all blankety blank well, broke loose. We saw what happened from our perspective was off in the distance, you see these clouds and they kept saying, oh, it might rain, it might rain. They kept going back and forth like, oh, it's not going to rain. 10 minutes later, I feel like a drop or two. Okay. I hope it doesn't like rain because all hell's going to break loose. Um, then it started coming down more and more and I saw that on the TV and I was like <laughs> I was watching and I I was literally watching the crowds and I was watching the drivers and I was like oh no Nat <laughs> hope you wore waterproof mascara no but I mean there's memes about it already where it's like yeah Monaco can be kind of a boring race because basically what you qualify in is probably what you're gonna place in and there's memes about it where it's like Monaco Grand Prix just chugging along and then it's like somebody sneaking in being all sneaky like the rain making it interesting (laughs) well it's funny because like if you look at my notebook like I have all these notes up until 52 and then I think it was like 52 55 57 and then lap 70 was when I finally started taking notes again because I was sitting literally on the edge of the couch watching the race because I was watching the drivers um get completely turned around and have to turn around go back the other direction having to reverse on the track to get back going where they were that was George Russell he got a penalty for that actually he got a five second penalty the one that stressed me out because everybody that listens to this probably already knows if you haven't then probably you're under a rock (laughs) probably didn't listen to the previous episode but um I'm a Ferrari fan um, what no no I had no idea I'm watching the screen in front of me and I have my Ferrari jacket pulled up over my head a little bit because it's raining Carlos sliding off the track I screamed he got a yellow flag for that the what the yellow flag came out that was 55 that was Right before it started downpouring, too. It wasn't actually downpouring it. Everybody around me was like, oh, my God, who's this crazy lady who just keeps screaming? I'm like. (gasps) My notes, literally, it's just asterisks, downpour, sand slides, and then just everybody drifting. Just It looked like Tokyo drift out there. Like, it was insane. already super iffy. You add rain onto that. Was it was it Yuki and Hamilton that got in there together that just slid right in the whole way and had to navigate around each other to get out? Yeah. Did you? I mean, they were. I think it was. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Kevin Magnuson. So if anybody knows this, correct me if I'm wrong, please. I don't want to be saying wrong things, but I'm pretty sure it was him. He instead, like you in the hairpin, they all slow down and they turn. He drifted. He like full on like drifted the turn. I was like, that is a good move. 
plays Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift! Just change it to Monaco Drift. <laughs> Monaco Drift. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> we, we know I like drifting. That's me. <laughs> and this is why I'm not a Formula One driver, because I you just... drift all the turns. And you'd be... Sure. Your your strategists and your engineers would be on the on your comms talking to you like, all right, Kiki, you got to do this, and you'd be like, Tokyo, <laughs> where's the e brake on this thing? <laughs> Catch me on my on my on my full slicks. Speaking of, oh my gosh, what was going on with the tire strategy? Speaking, we were talking about tire strategy. And Monaco, again, you have to go into it with that, right? Like, this is all dangerous. It's about maintenance. Like, I keep stressing. And we had these wonderful tire strategies. All the teams had them. And downpour just knocked it all out the window. Because now we're talking about inters. Do we do inters? Do we do wets? Like, what's going on here? Because, I mean, the, the track, like you said, it was bone dry. It was hot out. Like, we were already having graining issues with the tires. And now. Oh, you got a downpour. You got water sitting on the track. Is it going to stay that way? We know they're watching the rain. They're trying to figure out the clouds are going to go. Because really, it was only a few minutes that it rained. 10 minutes total. But that was enough for several of them to panic and I mean, change the full slicks. Going. And I yep. mean, one lap is what? One minute, 20 seconds max? Yep. I mean, 10 minutes, that's a long time. So that, you know, again, Monaco is not always the most exciting race, but if you're into strategy that them panicking and trying to change their tires out and figure out what was best, that was exciting to watch. And did all the teams make a great choice? No, definitely not. Um, What was it? Yuki, I think he came on the radio at lap 66. And I don't know if you caught this from the stands, but it was hilarious because he's trying to talk how bad his tires are performing and how bad the, the vehicle's performing while everybody's drifting everywhere and yuki says and i quote are you trying to crash me out or what over the radio i miss that yep because he's like my tires this that and the other and i i don't remember the rest of the conversation but all of a sudden you just hear yuki very exasperated just are you trying to crash me out or what and i was just like oh boy i feel like that's almost as bad as Charles's radio I can't remember what race but he came on the radio and he said I'm gonna go home and cry and it's all your fault (laughs) it was that's why I wrote it down because I was like oh this is gold but radios we'll talk about this in the Spanish Grand Prix episode but there was some good radios It, it was great but anyways yeah the inners versus wets really I mean I I can understand if the rain had continued, but they were in lap 70 with vehicles still switching out, still trying to figure out what to do. And at that point, like, why risk it? Like, stay on what you've got on and manage with the best that you can because you're eight laps in. You've got only a few minutes left of the race, which last few minutes of the race, thankfully, weren't exciting. Um, You know, I say thankfully not exciting as in no, no major crashes, nothing too crazy. Few penalties for, um, you know, people backing up on the track, but besides that from 70 on, it was just kind of a home free, especially for, you know, Max, who was ages ahead of everybody else. 
and never pulled out. That was insane. Like, I'm still in shock, like, three laps ahead. I understand one or two, but that's usually, like, you're lapping, like, P18 and below, out like, P9 and below, some of them being, oh, my God, it was ridiculous. I looked at my friend, and I was like, does that say three? She's like, yeah, I go, okay. Um, that's interesting. But... Anyways, so I think my favorite part of the Monaco Grand Prix finishing, like the podium, obviously Max Verstappen killed it. Fernando, as always, killed it. Esteban Ocon in P3 made my heart so happy because he is the first Frenchman to get a podium in Monaco since 1996. Which you could just see it on his face. You could yeah, see it on the so crowd. Uh, like even when he just pulled up the visor, he was like, yeah. I, that, that warmed my heart. And again, like congrats to Max. You know, we knew that was going to be good, but come on. Like to be that happy on podium, let alone third. SD bestie. Proud of you. I'm here I'm for it. Visor even made jokes like the day before I was leaving to go to Monaco, he goes, yeah, she's a she's a Ferrari fan, but she's spending all this money to go watch Max win by forty seconds. And I was like, listen, you don't know what's gonna happen. It that's what okay. happened. <laughs> I'm just going to assume Max is gonna take it. We know he's gonna take it. Yeah. But I can talk about some things from the race weekend now that we've talked about all the kind of points of the race. So would love to hear it. I saw three of the racers like in the flesh super close jealous um so my friend and i we were on the docks just saturday night just looking at the pretty yachts and stuff and all of a sudden i see somebody that resembles george russell so i'm just like staring and he gets a little bit closer and i'm just jaw fell to the floor i look at my friend i go oh my god that's george russell he and then you texted me (laughs) all caps he looks at me because it's quiet it's a like everybody's out partying and we're just like on the dock part and so he looks at me and I was like oh my god um George Russell just looked at heavy, me heavy breathing I said, oh my god it's George Russell and then I had to sit down <laughs> and I felt out of breath yeah um if he ever sees this that's really embarrassing I'm really sorry then yeah, you can't help it though I know I was like oh my god they're... It, it was almost like starstruck because I've watched him on TV and stuff, and he was right there. So it was almost like, oh, my God, he's actually a real person. <laughs> he's not just he like exists. He's, um, it's, it's, he's not just a TV personality. It's a real human being. This is a real driver. Yes, it, it, it hit me hard. Then Sunday after the race, my friend and I, we were going to Jimmy's, which is a nightclub in Monaco that is known for some racers going. We're walking, and all of a sudden – our chili pepper walks by and I whipped my head around and I was like, Oh my God, that was Carlos signs. And my friend was like, no, it wasn't. I go, don't question me. It was. And I turned back around and it was him. He was on the phone. And so I didn't want to like be rude and ask him for a picture. Cause obviously he's walking, he's in, he's going somewhere. He's on the phone. And so I just, I got a picture of the back of his head. You know, there are people too. They, he's just had a very long weekend. Like, 
he probably appreciates when people don't come up to him. I mean, they, they're all great guys. And you go up for a picture, most of them are going to be happy to take one as long as you're not rude or weird. Like yeah, that one girl that just ran up and kissed one of them. It's but, not He's like this, walking, not even acknowledging me being like, oh my God. like I'm not going to just run after him. Can I get a picture with you? No. Yeah, exactly. But then we're in Jimmy's and I'm sitting on top of the area right in front of the DJ booth. That's a little elevated because my feet really hurt. And I'm like kind of falling a little bit and I grab whoever's closest to me. And I look over to say sorry and I'm holding on to Pierre Gassi's arm and I'm like immediately let go and I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry <laughs> wasn't he there with his girlfriend too she's beautiful I was gonna say I've seen pictures of her she oh my goodness beautiful. drop dead gorgeous not only did I see him and accidentally grab his arm for like two seconds I was like I'm so sorry um because again like he's he's having a night out with his girlfriend he's saying hi to these people like I didn't mean to like I'm not trying to come off as a crazy person like oh my god got him you have to take a picture with me now I have you (laughs) it's his night out he just finished racing like I'm gonna let him enjoy his night not be like a crazed fan but I got a picture and I got a video of him walking away then I walk up to the bar and guess who's standing right there Pierre Gasly and I was like picking your jaw up off the floor i texted my parents and i was like um i just saw pierre gatsy in the club i'm trying to fangirl um please help good on you for self-restraint because yeah i was screaming and crying internally i sent a snapchat i think i sent this to you i was like screaming crying throwing up i just saw three racers in two days but then i ended up meeting a photographer who works with Charles occasionally. And I oh, became, that's exciting. I became like homies with him. And he he was wearing a Charles Leclerc shirt. And so I was like, oh my God, I love your shirt. Like he's my racer. And he's like, yeah, he's supposed to be here tonight, but he's with family. And I was like, oh, so close. I know. Well, I also miss Charles by 20 seconds or maybe two minutes when we, so we were on this yacht on Saturday night. And I had to go to the bathroom. So I go down into the bathroom on this yacht and I come back out and I'm talking to the guy on the yacht next to us. And he's like, oh, like, are you a Formula One fan? I'm like, duh, that's why I'm here. But I didn't say that. No, I just decided to come to Monaco for the atmosphere on a race weekend. Right. I didn't, whatever. And he's like, oh, who's your team? And I said, oh, Ferrari. I really like Charles. I really hope he does well this weekend. Like it's his home race. Charles was on the yacht next to him and was leaving to go home while I was in the bathroom. I missed him because I had to pee. That's unfortunate. You know what? Maybe, maybe we'll get lucky when we go to the Vegas Grand Prix. And I told Morgan that if he came back when we were on the yacht again to push me in the water. You know, that's a good strategy. (laughs) No, just kidding. That's crazy. I I doubt before the race, he would risk it though, but somebody would have probably saved you out there in Monaco. Probably like, no, he seems like too nice of a person, but no, I, it was obviously a joke. I'm not going to jump in the harbor, but it, yeah, it was, it, it was an insane weekend. Like look back at the videos and just a video of Pierre just 10 steps away from me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And again, his girlfriend, Kika, she is 
beautiful. Like pictures, her pictures are amazing and they don't do justice. If that says how pretty she is. Like go. What a lucky guy! Like everybody's like, oh, those you know, all the women that get to date these racers. No, like, look at her. Like, yeah, you are a lucky man. He's good looking, but damn, Kika, you're cute. Oh goodness, I'm so jealous. I I wish I could have been there to experience that, but you know, one of us had to actually watch the whole thing. Hey, listen. We're going to go to Vegas and we're going to have to like rewatch the race. Like, I think it'll, yeah, there's no way we're taking notes at the race. So apologies for that episode ahead of time, guys. Um, it might be a wonky one because one of us or neither of us will be watching it on TV with all the, because co- they had the stuff that you see on TV, but you can't hear the commentating. But then they also have, because in Monaco, they speak French. They had the French commentating over the speakers. And I was like, I hear Jensen and I hear French. I don't know. Yeah, too much coming in at once. You can you have to pay attention to both or neither. Yes, and then the car's going by, and so I was just like, hmm. for those of you listening to the podcast, Natalie is pretending to be a car. <laughs> I'm like turning my head because they go by. <laughs> But anywho, no, I hope we get to do more of these dual perspectives in the future because it's just, you know, one thing being at home in your own couch and getting to see the actual strategy behind everything and getting to hear all the radios. And then it's one thing being there with the cars, with the crowd, with the atmosphere and actually feeling Formula One. And of course, you know, that's that's what gets people into racing in the first place is actually the actual races themselves being there smelling the tires on the pavement getting rained on a lot and not having umbrellas wasn't that bad honestly so like from sitting in the stand it really wasn't that bad i understand the issues with the like the driving part because there's so many different things that could go wrong with just a teeny bit of water but like from sitting in the stands it wasn't raining like that hard it wasn't like torrential downpour it was sprinkling for a little bit got a little bit harder and then it just like evaporated and disappeared yeah it's not too bad but yeah i hope we can do more of these these dual perspectives they're nice they're great they're fun um we still do we still do owe our viewers uh kind of a history and formula one basics video that we'll be getting to eventually yes maybe next week since the race, uh, next race is like the 14th of June. Maybe we'll yep. But that's all I have. No, I think that's all I've got for this race. Um, yeah, Monaco is a good one. Honestly, like I think probably the best, well, like at least the most interesting one so far to watch. I agree. I think it was a good one. I really liked it. And obviously like I, I signed up for pre-sale tickets already because it was just uh, it not only was it unreal being in Monaco, but it was unreal being at such a historical and iconic track. And I know there's rumors of people saying, "Oh, they're gonna get rid of Monaco." And I was like, "With how much history there is there, I, I doubt it." I I would be genuinely surprised because a lot of people, when you think Formula One, one of the first tracks that comes to mind is Monaco. I mean, I got the circuit tattooed on my arm while I was there, like, which is awesome. And my my theory behind that was 
It was my first time in Europe. It was my first time at a Formula One race. I feel like it's such an iconic place. Like, I had to. And it's super dainty and small, so it's not like I got Monaco tattooed on my forehead. Oh, you should have. Everybody would know. I went to Monaco Grand Prix 2023. Just It rhymes. It's the poem. I could just have it, like, tattooed on my forehead. Or a neck tattoo. Oh, even better. I went to Monaco. <laughs> Grand Prix 2023. It just goes from, like, under my chin all the way down my chest. I love it. But thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for the Spanish Grand Prix. I'm super excited to talk about that one too, even though I wasn't exactly feeling well uh, the morning before, but as long as you're feeling better now, that's all that matters. I am. Thank you. But yeah, super excited to talk about it, guys. Can't wait for the next one. Goodbye.